This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill, session number four. your best marriage, an excellent relationship with your kids, and you want to win with money, you're in the right place. Thanks for joining today. A couple of weeks ago, I was on Reddit and uh, checking out the personal finance section because I'm a nerd and I enjoy reading about personal finance in my spare time. That's a whole nother story. Anyway, I saw a post from a woman that was actually pretty heartbreaking It went a little something like this. My husband died today. He was 37. He had a seizure, which led to his third heart attack. He had just started a new job, so there is no life insurance. We have three kids under six, with the youngest about to be six months old. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I feel so lost right now, but I have to be strong for my kids. And that was it. Um, My heart honestly breaks for this woman. I cannot imagine what she's going through and the pain that she's feeling uh, and probably feeling quite abandoned. But it's stories like hers that remind me why my wife and I are more than happy to pay for our term life insurance each year. Because we make that investment, I know our family and Nicole will never be in this situation. But my wife and I never really talked about what to do with our million-dollar policy if I died. And that's what I'm going to review today. So to my wife, Nicole, here is what I would do with the insurance money in nine easy steps. Number one, get two copies of the death certificate. So before contacting the insurance company to collect any of the life insurance money, you'll want to get two copies of the death certificate. You can get these from the funeral director or the cremation organization. You know, based on our conversations, Nicole, I'm going the cremation route. Uh, You and I were fooling around on the internet the other day and discovered a cool company called The Living Urn that takes your ashes after you're cremated and combines them with the elements required to grow a tree. So your family can plant this tree after you die and have a living reminder of you. So that's what I want to do. I thought this idea was so cool that I contacted the comp- the co-founder of Living Earn, and uh, we had some conversations. And he wants to give the listeners of this show five bucks off if they wanted to buy their Living Earn. So use the coupon code MKM5 if you're interested. MKM5. I'm going to go the spruce tree route. And I think Nicole went with a lovely Japanese flowering cherry tree. So anyway, back to the nine steps. Number two, contact the insurance company. Call the insurance company on the policy and tell them that you'd like to file a claim on the life insurance. The whole process can take up about 30 days time. 
don't feel worried. Don't feel rushed for the funeral costs, the memorial celebration, and the super awesome spruce tree. Use the money from our savings or the emergency fund before the insurance money arrives. Now, Nicole, remember for this memorial event, we need to have an epic karaoke jam. And you definitely need to sing some of that 80s hairband music that you do so well. All right, number three, contact my employer. Where I'm working right now, we have a pretty decent life insurance policy. You'll get one year of my salary. I may not be working at the same place when I die, but the majority of decent employers out there with benefits have some sort of life insurance policy for their employees. So contact my HR department, discuss the situation, and ask them what's the process for receiving the money right away. Number four, put the life insurance money in the bank and wait. You're going to feel pretty emotional during this time. You don't want to make any quick decisions when you're not feeling your best. Since you have the one-year salary to live on, don't rush into investing the insurance money once it comes in. Wait three months before doing anything. Number five, start investing. So after those three months, you've had a chance to grieve and you're feeling a little bit better. Contact a company like Vanguard or Fidelity to open a brokerage account. We currently, you and I, have a Roth IRA with Fidelity. So that'll probably be the easiest place to start. I would take 500000 of the $1 million life insurance policy and place it into this new brokerage account. And the investing advice that I would follow is very similar to a special billionaire named Warren Buffett. He gave this exact advice to his wife. Put 10% of the cash in short-term government bonds and 90% in a very low-cost S&P 500 index fund. These index funds have extremely low fees and they track the market. Specifically, I would choose, if you're going to go with Fidelity, the Fidelity 500 index premium class for 90% of that, which essentially just mirrors the S&P 500, and then 10% into the U.S. bond index investor class. This would, again, this is a brokerage account, not a retirement account because you want to be able to access this money. So if you want help with this process, I would highly recommend a fee-only financial advisor. And you can access folks like that through a company like XY Planning Network. And I will put that in the show notes, everybody. While that interest is starting to pile up in the new brokerage account, continue using that one-year salary benefit from my employer for the remainder of the year. Okay, number six, invest in real estate. So pay the remaining balance of our mortgage so you can be completely debt-free and own our house outright. This will decrease our monthly expenses and you can live very comfortably. So with about $400,000, give or take, however, we, however much we have left on the mortgage at this time, 
look into investing in real uh, residential real estate so you can take advantage of your excellent home decorating and project management skills. This is something that you and I have always dreamed about doing and thought it would be great to have as investments and leave it to our kids. So I hope we can still go down that path together. In order to not have more debt on your plate, I would highly advise to not get a mortgage on these properties. Only pay cash. With the right real estate agent, you'll be able to get great deals on houses in ideal rental markets, places where young professionals live, young families live. Look at some um, comparable rental homes in the market and set a monthly rent that allows you to make 10 to 15% annually after expenses. Number seven, start a rental real estate emergency fund. So just like our current emergency fund, we have six months of expenses. I would create a rental home emergency fund as well. Put at least one year of expenses away in a savings account so you have it available for times when you don't have renters or there are unexpected repairs uh, needed, which you know there will be. Number eight, Live off of the interest. Between the interest made from your brokerage account and your rental home income, you should be able to live comfortably. Both the housing market and the stock market is going to fluctuate each year, guaranteed. Some years you'll make 20% in the stock market and other years you'll lose 10%. Some years you'll have full occupancy in the rental properties and other years it'll be inconsistent. With that fluctuation, try to live off of 8 to 12% of your interest each year from both the rental properties and the, and the brokerage account mixed together. If you earn more than 8 to 12%, save those excess funds for the upcoming years when the interest is not as high or if rentals aren't as consistent. Number nine, rebalance your portfolio annually. Depending on how the housing market and the stock market performs annually, you'll need to rebalance your portfolio. For this exercise, I would highly, highly recommend getting with a fee-only financial advisor. This is going to make things a lot easier for you. Essentially, that person will help ensure that you're not over-invested in certain areas and under-invested in other areas. So those are the nine steps. Let's recap. Number one, get two copies of the death certificate. Number two, contact the insurance company. Number three, contact my employer or contact your spouse's employer. Number four, put the life insurance money in the bank and wait about three months. Number five, after those three months, start investing in the stock market. Number six, invest in real estate. Number seven, start a rental real estate emergency fund. Number eight, live off of the interest. And number nine, rebalance your portfolio annually. So hopefully those steps were helpful, easy, and this could be a good reference point for you if the horrible situation of my early death does happen. I love you with all my heart, my dear, your husband, your best friend, and karaoke partner for life, Andy. If you missed some of the resources or links mentioned in today's session, I've got you covered. I've included all of the links in the show notes at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session four. 
If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you have any questions or feedback, shoot me an email at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. A-N-D-Y at marriagekidsandmoney.com. Or connect with me on Twitter at andyhillmkm. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote from Confucius. A man who does not plan long ahead will find trouble at his door. Let's put our families first and plan for the future, everybody. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.